never say die! Fourteen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 292 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I am Joel. And I'm Josh. And though I'd like to think of myself as a beast man, I'm really probably more of a mantenna. <laughs> I was going to say Grizzlor, but you know. <laughs> these these fucking names, man. Like this, this show and names. And it's what? What hey, this character? We got to give her a name. What does she do? Well, she casts spells. All right, that's it. Spellza. She's in. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? He's got a big trunk. What was the trunk guy's name? Trunkosaurus. Trunk. <laughs> I don't know if that's no. correct. <laughs> Elephantitis. No, I don't remember his name. I don't know enough about trucks to dispute him. It was like Pachyderm or something like that. Yeah. It was. It was. And then Leech. The giant leech guy was just called Leech. Well, I mean, how much but, more? Uh, what was the guy with the with the suction cup hands called? That was Leech. Leech. Was it Leech? Okay. Yeah, All right. I was thinking it was worse than that. Uh, I was what a what a what a just feckless group of villains. We'll get to that though. Yes, we are talking about the villains from the He-Man She-Ra world. We are doing the She-Ra show. Yeah. Princess of Power. What you've all been waiting for. I have. I have too. Well, that makes two of us. Yeah. <laughs> and there's the 50-50 right there. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. Let's just do the thumbs up, thumbs down, move on. They're doing the show in reverse this time. <laughs> yeah, they're going to end it by introducing ourselves again. Yes. I am Mike. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, She-Ra. We're going up against the uh, She-Ra cartoon from 1985 all the way to the remake that I think just came out this year, wasn't it? Yes, well, it started in 2018. 1819, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's just in the first season, so. so. But yeah. And if you like first seasons of Ooh. things, oh. I guess, oh. you'll like the shows oh. of the Podcast Collective, such as the Bad Parenting Podcast, mm. The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, Tales from the Hard Side, Mom and the New Dad, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. Hey there, Muslim arms. Wow. Jesus Christ. I don't This is eating up more and more of the show every I, week. I don't know what where to take that, really. Um <laughs> Pretty soon it's just gonna be like introductions and then an hour and a half of Joel doing guitar solo crap. Wait, but then at the end I go, nah 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 nah. Oh well I guess the tweet's already done. You're throwing <laughs> us all off, man. We're knocking it out, man, in a in a in a hurry. Yeah. So if you like more of I, this, I, I, in, in this type of speed, we should already be done recording. Thanks for Fast listening. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Uh, yeah. So if you want more of this for reasons, <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Blu-ray, Stitcher, TalkSpeed, Podverse, FM, NewFM.com, Podchaser, Spotify, and all other pod chasing things. Uh, you can give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727. Josh, anything? He's eating popcorn. He's eating popcorn. All I right. am. No, we don't have anything. Some really like, good... Why the hell is he throwing to me? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he know I have popcorn? All right, yeah, so I guess... Uh, Priorities, man. I guess it's about that time. This week in... Movies and TV. And sports. <laughs> that was an odd little warble you had on that one. We're going for the Herbert thing this week. Oh, okay. Yeah. It sounded like you just dropped some jello down your pants while you were saying it. 
That's how I do the voice. Oh. Yeah. The secret That's is now known. Well. <laughs> All right. So the theme for this week <laughs> is <laughs> September 9th, 1985, when the pilot of She-Ra was released. All right. So music. The number one song in the land was St. Elmo's Fire, Man in Motion by John Parr from the soundtrack of the same name. That's a good song. That uh, may actually be the first album I ever seen almost fire. Hmm. You are a soundtrack guy. Did you feel it burning in you? That's not how I used cassettes. That's just lyrics from St. Almost Fire. I could feel it burning in me. Mm-hmm. He was a man in motion when it was on. He was dancing. All I needed is a set of wheels. So anyway, on September 6th, <laughs> Michael Jackson purchased the publishing rights for most of the Beatles' music for $47 million, much to the dismay of Paul McCartney, against whom he was bidding. Ouch. That seems you like guys, a you, I was going to say, you guys know the story behind that? When they were recording the video for um, uh, Say, 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 like Paul McCartney gave Michael Jackson the advice. He's like, you've got a lot of money. You know, you should invest it. He's like, you know, you should buy buy up some some music catalogs. The next thing you know, he's at an auction bidding against him. <laughs> wow! For the, Beatles, for the Beatles licensing, and he loses. Forty-seven. Like, Thanks for taking my advice, Dick. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like a low number. I mean, it was 1985. That you yeah, know, that seemed, seemed like a lot of money back then. That that's almost 35 years ago. Wow! God damn. Mm. Meanwhile, Paul was like, "Well, Ebony and Ivory." So there you go. All right. So yeah, that. Was like a fart in church. Uh, Webster <laughs> Gradney Jr., born September 6th, is an American rapper, songwriter, and actor from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, who performs under the mononym Webby. In 2005, he came into the hip hop scene with Gimme That, featuring B Bun B. B Bun. B His songs, Bad Bitch and Swerve, were featured on Gangsta Music, his 2003 group album with Lil Boozy, and in the 2005 movie Hustle and Flow. Webby's second album, Savage Life 2, was released in early 2008 with the hit single Independent featuring Lil Boozy and Lil Fat. Kind of a... Like a I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Oxymoron. Like Lil Fat. Hmm. Okay. In case you were wondering, $47 million in 1985 equates to $111.8 million in 2019. I mean, still a uh, bargain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, and finally, records released this week included Acapella by Todd Rundgren, You're Under Arrest by Miles Davis, Falco 3 by Falco, In Square Circle by Stevie Wonder. It's not in a square circle? There's no nope. A in there? Nope. In Square Circle. In Square Circle. Huh. And finally, the acronym of the week, K-D-I-T-H. I'm pretty sure that's just Kevin Durant in the house. <laughs> <laughs> That one was for Patrick. Coffee all over my fucking keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, definitely appreciated that one. Uh, no, that is what, Joel? Knee Deep in the Hoopla by Starship. Patrick's favorite band. One of the most classic albums of all time. Patrick has that tell. on 8-track, cassette, LP and CD. Oh, Starship is just Starship is just the zombified, horrible. Someone please put this out of its misery version of Jefferson Airplane. We've then, seen your tattoo that says we built this city. <laughs> then there's the Alan Parsons Project, which I believe was some sort of hovercraft. 
Mm. All right, moving on to movies. Back to the Future is towards the tail end of its 12-week run at number one. Wow. It's impressive. George O'Brien was an American actor, popular during the silent film era and into the talkie era of the 1930s. He's best known today as the lead actor in F.W. Murnau's 1927 film Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans, a film which won three Academy Awards. O'Brien died of stroke-related complications on September 4th. Absorbed peacefully. Not really. He, he was very prolific. His his career, you know, he had a lot of a lot of stuff in his CV. Hmm. And his what? CV. You don't know what that means? It's the Hollywood term for uh, your your resume, basically. Yeah, Curriculum so. vitae. Yeah. Wow. Latin, Joel. You guys are fancy lads. <laughs> God, I hate those fancy lads. <laughs> Alexa Jordan Keenan was an American actress best known for her supporting roles in several 80s films, including Little Darlings, Honky Tonk Man, and Pretty in Pink. On September 10th, Keenan's body was found in her Manhattan apartment. The cause of death is still unknown. Wow. Ooh. Ducky did it. <laughs> <gasps> I can see. <gasps> Ducky's got that, you know. You won't recognize her. If, just FYI. No, she looks... She was in Pretty in Pink and you won't recognize her? Was she like a background? Like yeah, a... yeah, yeah. She's... She just was was like... I don't even think she had speaking roles. She just was kind of a lead extra almost. Hmm. Like she huh. played she played someone in the entourage that never talked. Hmm. Entourage. Isabel Jeans was an English stage and film actress known for her roles in several Alfred Hitchcock films and her portrayal of Aunt Alicia in the 1958 musical film Gigi, among others. She enjoyed horse racing and poker and was married twice. First to the actor Claude Rains. Uh, from 1913 to 1915, and then to playwright Gilbert Edward Gilly Wakefield from 1920 until his death in 1963. She died on September 4th. Hmm. Hello, Aunt Alicia. I know Dead Records. Claude Rains, Gilbert Wakefield. What are, what yeah, are Claude Rains I know, but I don't know. Right. Not sure about Gilly. Yeah. Other than Game of Thrones. Anyway, but anyway, TV. The top shows in the land were a very 80s Cosby show, Family Ties, Murder, She Wrote, and Cheers. Yeah, that's like super 80s. Yeah. I always like the theory that Jessica is like the killer in every single episode and she just manages to pin it on somebody else. All I know is if she's coming to town, get the fuck out of town. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's going to die. Jessica. That's what coming. I I should I should I should find like the real life Jessica, what was her name? Jessica uh, Simpson. No, <laughs> Jessica Fletcher. Fletcher. I should find the real life Jessica Fletcher and just follow her around and just wait <laughs> for her to die. No, from for, like there's gonna be a murder eventually. I'm like maybe it'll be me. Aw, wow. <laughs> On that high note, Elise Marie Levis. <laughs> Born September 10th as a Canadian actress known for playing Chloe Armstrong in Stargate Universe and the witch Genevieve in the Vampire Diaries spinoff, The Originals. There was a spinoff? I did not. I knew those two shows existed. I didn't know that there was a spinoff of them. Huh. Yeah, I didn't know. I, didn't, I mean, i never seen either one of them, but, you know. Yeah, I thought maybe you guys might know those shows. That's the only reason I included her. Josh? I know the shows. I haven't watched them. Yeah, I, I don't know who she is. Oh, well, all right. The Move along then. Moving on. TV shows debuting this week included the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, Star Wars Droids, Ewoks, Small Wonder, and What's Happening Now. Hey, 
Not exactly a great uh, release week. That show was so awful. That was such a bad show. No one could act on that show. Tiffany Brissett. And the kid actor was worse than, you know, not the robot, the, the son. He was like the worst actor than, than what's his fuck name? Spencer Brolin. Fuck name? <laughs> <laughs> well, the name didn't come to me fast enough. How come there was never a crossover show with Star Wars droids and Small Wonder? You know, I would have watched that. Joel, we already know you will watch no. pretty much anything. <laughs> right? It's not like it's not like you're making a big, big jump there. I never watched the Vampire Diaries, the originals, or Stargate Universe. But we did believe you watched three seasons of She-Ra. <laughs> Princess of Power. Well, when I was a kid, I did. Yeah, I watched that all the time. All right. Um, so, Aly- Alyssa Elaine Diaz, born September 7th, is an American actress known for her roles on television, such as As the World Turns, The Nine Lives of Chloe King, Army Wives, Ray Donovan, and The Rookie. So, there you Not go. Familiar. So on September 14th, in part one of a three-part season premiere of The Facts of Life, Edna's Edibles. <laughs> <laughs> I had to include this fact. This is just so Of course. Edna, which had been the main locale of the long-running series since 1983, was burned to the ground. Edna Garrett and the girls would rebuild with a sparkle in their eye and replace it with an ice cream and gift shop named Over Our Heads. Which tootie. <laughs> you know, Judy Tootie's Curry. in this one. The Edna's Edibles sounds like a, you know, like a it, recreational may, smoke shop. There may be it, an it, Edna's it, Edibles out there right now. For all I was just know. about to say, there more than likely is an Edna's Edibles in business as we speak. Let all right, it. moving on to sports. 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 Sean Livingston, NBA player for the current Golden State Warriors, was born in Peoria, Illinois, on September 11th. On September 4th, New York Mets catcher Gary Carter's two home runs in a 9-2 win in San Diego tied the MLB record of five home runs in two games. It's pretty impressive. Hmm. In U.S. Open women's tennis, Hannah Mandiklova beat Martina Navratilova 7-6-1-6-7-6 for her first U.S. title on September 7th. The following day at the U.S. Open's men's tennis, Czech star Ivan Lendl Yvonne Lendl, sorry, won his first U.S. title, beating John McEnroe 7-6-6-3-6-4. And I'm sure John McEnroe took it well. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't break a tennis racket or anything. (laughs) (laughs) September 11th was the release of Super Mario Brothers game, created by Shigeru Miyamoto at Nintendo for the NES. Excellent. Yeah, great fact. Appreciate that one. Yep, Yep, I figured you guys would appreciate it. Is it really sports-related, though? Well, well, it's sportsy enough that I, you know, now you guys, it is. I, sometimes oh. I can write things in here just for you guys. You know, it's 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 my tweet, and this is America, and I'm a grown man, and I have freedom. You're right on. Don't you trample on my freedom, Joel? <laughs> I'm fi- I am technically a grown man. Hey there, Muslim. If I murdered somebody, I wouldn't. I'd be tried as an adult. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think he was taking issue with the "you have freedom" part. No, no. He's Republican. Well, <laughs> Jesus. Just trying to keep moving this forward. And moving on, on September 6th, Mark Messier lost control of his Porsche and totaled three cars and would later be charged with hit and run and careless driving, for which he paid a fine. Luckily, he did not kill anyone or maim anyone. Apparently, they were all parked cars. Hmm. Damn. Yep. 
And lastly, on September 8th, Pete Rose tied Ty Cobb's record of 4,191 career hits. Three days later, he broke the record against Eric Show of the Padres. Wow. And he's still not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, that sucks. There was that whole, you know, yeah, scandal thing. But there's yeah. people in the Hall of Fame now that are done a hell of a lot worse than... Yep. Yeah, I, I think and, it's time for the world to let that one go. Yeah. Before he dies, I mean, it, it would be a shame that he died and still was banned, because you know they're going to do it at some point. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the Hall of Fame is not about character. It doesn't have anything to do with that shit, you know, and you can't have the guy who leads the league in career hits not be in the Hall of Fame. That's just dumb and spiteful. That's exactly it. Just spite. So I looked up Edna's Edibles. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> there is an Edna's Edibles bakery in Peekskill, New York. Um, I'm thinking this may be a, a, a fake Facebook because the phone number is 555-111-2222. But the only post that's on there, September 27th, 2016, says, Friday's just around the corner. Who's conducting violent, drunken, late-night panty raids? Who's about to lose their virginity again for the very first time despite her irritable bowel syndrome? who set up a romantic candlelit rendezvous that turned rough and burned out Edna's edibles and then blamed it on Natalie, who's back hooked on Asian porn and cough syrup. Tune in on Friday. Facts of Life Friday. What? <laughs> that's, what that's what I said. <laughs> it's just uh-huh. like, Jer, did I you think... pee in Natalie's ear again while she was sleeping? <laughs> what? On that note, I, on that note, I think... I think play us off, keyboard Joel. I'm going to have to post this to our page because this is ridiculous. Anyway, She-Ra, Princess of Power, 1985-1987. Princess Adora raises her magic sword and becomes She-Ra, the most powerful woman in the universe, to aid her friends in defeating the evil horde so their planet, Etheria, can be free. She is the principal figure of the Prince of Power brand and the heroine alter ego of Princess Adora and the twin sister, bum-bum-bum, of He-Man. Spoilers. Yeah. I thought they were cousins. But nope. Anyway. Nope. Twins. A hot dog makes him lose controls, though, but they're not. <laughs> no. She is a f- she is featured in the animated series of the same name, and it was an attempt to make a version of Masters of the Universe cartoon series that appeals to young girls. Really? That's but, what they were doing? I couldn't tell. Yeah. But it appealed to young boys, too. Well, well, we'll get into that in a little bit, because there's some... A certain cool type stuff. of young boy, a special young boy... <laughs> Uh, She-Ra is introduced in the animated movie The Secret of the Sword as Force Captain Adora, uh, working for the evil horde that rules planet Etheria. She then discovers that she is the long-lost twin sister of Prince Adam of Eternia, being kidnapped by Hordak as a baby. The same story, she is granted the Sword of Protection, uh, parallels He-Man's Sword of Power, and gains the ability to transform into She-Ra. As Princess Adora, she joins the Great Rebellion that seeks to free Etheria from the Horde, and only a few characters know that Adora is in fact also She-Ra, including, but not limited to, Prince Adam slash He-Man, Cringer slash Battlecat, the Sorceress, Man-at-Arms, Arco, Spirit slash Swiftwind, Lighthope, Madame Raz, Kyle, and Luki. So it's kind of Princess like the, the worst-kept secret on Etheria. And Eternia, apparently. Yeah. So, um, She-Ra was voiced by Melendy Britt for 93 episodes. Um, yep, she was the voice the whole time, it looks like. Yeah, she um, also did the voice of Princess Aura uh, for uh, Flesh Gordon. 
hmm. and was the last thing she has been in uh, doing voices for uh, Fallout 76. So she's still working. Uh, oh, good on her. Mm-hmm. George DeCenzo did the voice of Bo. Uh, he has also been in Close Encounters of the, fir- of the uh, Third Kind and uh, was a character called Sam Baines in Back to the Future. So, it doesn't look familiar. Probably, I'm guessing, probably a back, you know, hanging out with uh, Big Like a lead extra? Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Remember in, uh, I clicked on his page, the the Back to the Future when um, his mom brings Marty uh, home to dinner with the family and the dad or whatever is trying to, is messing with the TV. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's the guy. Okay. The dad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, Just yeah. Just you might recognize him in. Holy cats, yeah. Uh, John Irwin. <laughs> and the dad was messing with the TV. Yeah, yeah, he was the principal. <laughs> <laughs> Princess of power. Uh, John Irwin did the voice of He-Man for 93 episodes, and he was also, get this, the TV commentator in the movie Babe and the radio sportscaster in Back to the Future Part 2. Huh. So it's a Back to the Future tie-in. That's fun. It is kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So, uh, Skeletor. <laughs> oh, boy. Are we going to do uh, three Skeletors and a Beastman again? <laughs> yeah. uh, Alan Oppenheimer uh, did the Skeletor voice, uh, obviously, for he Meta Masters of the Universe and Prince of Power, but he also played the scientist in the movie Nine. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, was I still it? haven't seen that one. No, you actually might dig it. Um, also played uh, Chief Supervisor in Westworld back in 73. Uh, and the most recent thing, he's been in uh, Toy Story 4, where he plays the voice of old timer. So there you go. I'm gonna get you, Woody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you skipped over someone. I did. Before Skeletor. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Linda Gary did the voice of Shadow Weaver. Uh. <laughs> she played other horses before. She played no. She hmm? Shadow Weaver wasn't a horse. No, Shadow, Shadow Weaver, Weaver was. was oh, Shadow Weaver. Yeah, that's right. I'm the sorceress that. with the Laura Croft boobs. Yeah. 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 Sorry, you're right. Um, I was thinking of she. Is it Lara or Laura? Do you actually pronounce it Lara? Lara Croft. Yeah. Uh, she's also known her Nicolage. Final... <laughs> no, Nicolage. I'm saying it the same way every time. I don't understand. Nicolage. It's, she did the voice of uh, Aunt May Parker in Spider-Man the Animated Series from 94 to 97. Huh. Oh, there you go. So, But uh, Erica Scheimer... Uh, did the voice of Luki, who looks like he's a refugee from uh, Rainbow Bright. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're not wrong. Yeah. And uh, she, her last uh, gig was in 88, where she did voices for the show Brave Star, where she played oh. Fleeter. I watched Brave Star. I did, too. What the hell is it? It's like space western. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Stupid hummings. That's about a yeah, like a cowboy with his talking robotic like Four. well, cybernetic horse. It's like half ro- robot, half horse. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Space Texas Rangers. In fact, it I think fun. they were the Space Rangers. Yeah, that's exactly what they were. But um now this is where it gets a lot of fun. Lou Schreimer did Horde Troopers. So, yeah, this was the entire cast on IMDB. This was everyone. I was yeah. like, I I'm just gonna put them all in. So hmm. not only did he do the voice of the Horde Troopers. He was a producer of He-Man and She-Ra. He was a producer of Fat Albert and Cosby. He's also the producer <laughs> of Star Trek, the animated series. Damn. Uh, Brave Star, 
original Ghostbusters cartoon. Uh, Gil- <laughs> God, here didn't, we, didn't we talk about? Didn't we talk about Lou Scheimer in a tweet once? We may have. I think we did, yeah. Because yeah. he also produced Gilligan's Planet. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, um, he's got some wackadoodle uh, uh, things in here, like did something from the animated episodes of something called the Starship Farragut, where he played a Romulan commander back in 2010. And he's also, for some reason or another, on the soundtrack for the movie Chappie. <laughs> Which, that's that's the part where I get kind of like, what? So Maybe it's a sample from one of his characters? Maybe. Like, it might just be a voice in the background, for all we know. Uh, yeah. Diane Pershing does the character Nitosa. And uh, she is known for playing voices like Poison Ivy in Gotham Girls, uh, Justice League. She does Dr. Pamela Isley, Isley, Poison Ivy again. So Poison Ivy all over the place. Defenders of the Earth, she jumps on the Dale Arden track. And uh, Fallout in Vegas. Uh, Another Fallout. Um, The best Fallout. New Vegas? The one I have. In my opinion, yeah. uh, That's the only uh, game in the Fallout series that I've beaten multiple times. Hmm. She also did I've the, never played Fallout. Just don't play Fallout 76. Yeah, just skip that. Don't even worry about that one. It's terrible. Yeah, so, play so, New Vegas and move on. So, uh, some trivia. She-Ra's skirt never flies up despite her acrobatic tendencies. Lou Scheimer specifically asked animation coordinator Dory Little Herrick to make sure the lead character's modesty was kept intact. Much the dismay of many preteen boys. And then they discovered hentai. <laughs> and they stopped watching She-Ra. And it's like, damn, it never goes down. Um, She-Ra <laughs> was originally going to make an appearance in the 1987 film Masters of the Universe, but she was dropped. Some, I thought know, that was unfortunate. I would be curious to see where they would have cast. I yeah. agree. And I know it's terrible, but honestly, it's another one of my guilty pleasure movies. A lot of people love that movie. It's got a really big cult following still. I, Dolph Lundgren as He-Man was amazing casting for 1987 yes at the time that was the only choice in my personal opinion and evil lynn was hot <laughs> meg foster Yo. But, and, uh, i mean if you can get frank langella to don makeup and be skeletor why wouldn't you i actually went to the theater to see it i did too I did too yeah nice uh, that movie was crap no. it, is, it, it is it is it's I, total crap. i saw it one time on cable you had to see it, it in the theater it's totally different no, it's yeah. not. <laughs> Courtney Cox is in it, Pat. Come on. I I understand that, but you know what? Jennifer Anderson was in Leprechaun. That doesn't make it good. <laughs> okay, keep moving. The series writers found that creating action scenes for She-Ra even more frustrating than with He-Man, because not only did they have to minimize the violence, but they also had to contend with what they considered sexist pressure against the idea of a female hero being so forceful against challenges. Huh. Yeah. So they reined it in. Kind of strange. <laughs> but uh, some of the sound effects were reused from Battlestar Galactica from 1978. I thought that was fun. Yeah. That, that is. is fun. Hey, we got this. Got these tapes here. Yeah, just put them on. I'm <laughs> wondering why Grizzler kept doing that. I'm like, that's that was Buck care. Rogers. Shut up, Pat. I'm not trying to make a joke here. Okay, so that's your defense. You you don't like Masters of the Universe, but you'll go with the Buck Rogers TV show? I loved Buck Rogers. It had Linda Gray on it. <laughs> that doesn't make it good. 
How dare you use my logic against me? How dare you? Dang it, Pat. No, I never I never claimed that Buck Rogers was good. It was awful, but I did I did enjoy it. My mom had a thing for the guy with the feathers on his head. Hawk. No, Coco beware. (laughs) (laughs) You only knew. All right, so Spirit (laughs) slash Swiftwind was originally written to be a female character. Spirit could not speak before his first transformation into Swiftwind, and originally only Swiftwind was able to have the power of speech. Therefore, in many early episodes, Spirit has no lines. But later on, both Spirit and Swiftwind can speak. Because that makes sense why I never saw him speak, then, because I only watched the first three. I'm sure that's what you were saying. Why isn't I, the horse yeah. say something? No, I would. As you're reading this character, I'm, I'm all like, "What? The dog? The dog? The horse talked?" Yeah. Uh, Shira Adora never appeared in the short-lived cartoon "The New Adventures of He-Man," which was a sequel series to "He-Man and the Masters of the Universe," and was never mentioned at all. And I meant to follow up on this. I there, there's been two reiterations of He-Man. Uh, there was the one "New Adventures of He-Man," the one where he's in space, and then there was a a more like buff version of it that came out kind of almost anime-ish um a more buff version well not more buff like uh that's the wrong word like more realistic like it was more like jim lee versus uh ziggy (laughs) yeah i'm looking yeah you know what he i'm looking at the new adventures of he-man he looks more like uh buck rogers than he does he-man yeah he was in space okay And, and, and but there was another version of it that came out with uh after that, I thought Masters too. of the Universe versus a Snake Man, and and they looked more yeah. like that looks more anime-ish. Yeah, hmm. and I don't know if she was in that, but no. she seemed to have kind of gotten left out of for a long time. Can we just take half a second and, and acknowledge that He Man is a dumb name? You're a dumb. Oh man. yeah. All right, as long as we're in agreement. I always like that meme where people are complaining about Barbie, like Barbie gives false, you know, the fake. Uh, oh. <laughs> body image to girls and all that, and they're like, meet He-Man. <laughs> right? It's like, how many fucking muscles does this thing have? Well, that was what I was noticing while I was watching the show, was everybody on this planet is buff as shit. They must, they've never invented snacks, apparently. Well, all of the characters, aside from the monstrous ones, share identical body types, because the action figures had the same bodies, just in different costumes, mm-hmm. with head swaps. That's why, and, and, especially the female characters are indistinguishable aside from their heads and costumes. And if you look at uh, all the like the villagers and things, they they all have page boy haircuts, but they're in different stages of hair loss. Yeah, so that's the only have, thing to distinguish them is their hair. Yeah, they've got like half rows. Some have the full page boy. Some have bangs. Some don't. But they all look essentially like he man. Very lazy animation in this show. And it's like a Hanna Barbera cartoon, you know. Right, and I hate that. I hate Hanna Barbera. What? Well, I don't hate Hanna Barbera. I hate Hanna Barbera's animations. Where they, where I mean, you ev- got to compare it to the other stuff of its time. Remember, Do I how, remember how poorly Transformers aged. Mm-hmm. And Thunder. And I'm yeah, I'm grading it on that curve. Voltron, we're on fire. <laughs> Nothing will ever be as good as GI Joe. Have you gone back and watched GI <laughs> Joe? <laughs> yeah, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> right. It, uh, oh, you should watch GI Joe Renegades if you want to. If you want to watch a good GI Joe cartoon, watch GI Joe Renegade. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say Snout Spout. Oh yeah, that was the that was the. That you're was right. The... I swear there was one called Pachyderm though too. There might there might have been. Maybe that was a I different mean, toy line. Though though I'm looking in the wiki and the only P name is a guy named Plasmar. 
but he's like Ram Man. Uh, Ram Man's good, but he's no clamp champ. I don't know. He's no fish <laughs> store. The fish fucking store names the in this show, man. My favorite is Extendar. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Pat is right now. Hey yo. But yeah, I mean it's this was actually one of the things when they started come out they came up with the show and then came out with the toys and it was complete and utter cash grab, like they said. Yeah, I mean that was all of our beloved eighties cartoons. And I actually think when I compare it to the other eighties cartoons, including the original He Man, I think the writing was a little better. The animation was at least as good. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the like painted on the side of some dude's van aesthetic of Shira. And yeah, and you know what I think it was is probably part into that thing where they didn't want them to be doing. Uh, there wasn't so much violence, so they actually had to figure out a way that wasn't just punching it to solve and the problem. For the time, Shira was also kind of subtly subversive. Like I know we don't do politics on the show, but it's very difficult to talk about Shira without talking about the fact that they put this show in explicitly as not only a vehicle for female heroes, but like this is all about taking on an oppressive government with a rebellion. Like it's Viva a la revolution. Right. Uh, that's uh, I, I'm not going to belabor this point too much because uh, there's another podcast that does it better, like explicitly looks at Shira in a rewatch through the like political lens it's a uh, one of the nerdologues i want to throw them uh, a shout out here the nerdologues podcast shira progressive of power uh they do a rewatch and they actually just had their uh season finale here in early july oh so they do an episode of show uh they do it's a rewatch it's not necessarily one episode per show they handle like focuses on individual characters some of the marketing around it hmm. uh well, but, but definitely looking specifically at, because it's hard to not look at this and say, wow, yes, this, they, they were sliding some politics into this. Maybe just me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, just, no, I 100% agree with you. I just didn't have anything to add to it. Yeah. Well, we don't, I don't want to go too far down that well. Well, for sure. And like I said, that, that's not something that uh, we need to do a big discussion on because there's someone else that's already done that and done it better. Right. One of the things that I did notice in reading about the, this show is when they um, when they were doing the toys, the one of the catches was that they sent them to the toy stores and they didn't know where to put them. That was one of the one of the issues that they had because they're like, all right, well, they've they're got not dolls. They're not dolls. They're not. They're action figures, but they're girly. So we put them with. The G, next to the G.I. Joes, or do we put them next to the Barbies? And it turned out that actually this wound up making Barbie sales increase. It's by the same company that did Barbie, and it's one of those where they tried to drum... Barbie sales at this time were actually slipping. And they made these, put them out, and they, they atta- attached them to the Barbies in Barbie aisles, so you could get She-Ra in that aisle also, and then that actually being next to Barbie increased Barbie sales. Mm. Shout out to Mattel. That's interesting. Yeah. So take us on. Yeah. Be, be our sponsor. Yeah. Sponsored um, by Mattel. <laughs> if you guys want to dig into this, um, there's a great documentary on Netflix called The Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He Man and the Masters of the Universe, but it also has like a half an hour or more on just Shira. And um it's it's really it's really good. Plus it gives you a kind of an in depth look of the whole 
Any, the whole thing from start to finish. So what, you got anything interesting out of that for us then? Uh, well, just it was fascinating because at the time they they were taking animated properties from Japan and they were converting them to American audiences and then bringing out the toys based on, you know, the success of the show. And, you know, these guys all sat down and were like, well, we want to create a a, uh, a toy line that has a cartoon attached to it. So it was like, an, you know, like a uh, um, a giant commercial. And so they got a bunch of guys together and had them build a world, build a world around He-Man. And then that was so incredibly popular. I mean, literally billions of dollars of, of income that they're like, well, we want to branch out to the female market because we're not reaching girls. So they sat down and came up with He-Man's sister. And it became, I think, I, I don't know if this is accurate because I, I haven't watched a documentary in a while, but um, I think it became more popular than He-Man for a while. I don't know if that's 100% accurate or not, but... Yeah, I thought I'd watched a lot more of this when I was a kid than I actually had, as evidenced by uh, when we were mocking Joel for, uh, say, Honor of Grayskull, not knowing that that's what she actually says. Yeah. Like, I, I, I thought I knew this show, but I guess I, I, I have a distinct memory of catching little bits of it, like in the dentist's office. Nah. But that's about it. Yeah, I think by this point, I I was hardcore G.I. Joe at this point. My life was all G.I. Joe and Transformers in this at this year. Yeah, I was never into this either. I mean, I knew it existed, but I was never into it. And never into He-Man at all? No. no. I, oh, wow. Yeah, I never had a He-Man action figure. I I don't know what it was. It's just like, the first off, they were so damn chunky. <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> they, were, were. they were hard to travel with, which was a True. thing. Which was a thing for and me. And they, they didn't, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of... Um, Articulation. Yeah, that's the, exactly what I was yeah, I mean, how do you there. How do you go up against G.I. Joe's Kung Fu grip when you can only go, you know, it's... Well, they were bigger than G.I. Joe's. Oh, I, yeah. I had a... Uh, Which uh, meant you couldn't play with other... G, you know, like, I, I mixed all my action figures together and played with them all. Oh, yes. I did, too, regardless of the sizes. Oh, I'm, yeah. I had an Title your sex tape. Oh, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> Size didn't matter. I was, still a, I was still a fan of realism even back then. Uh, I like, this is I, the, the wrong scale. You can't combine these. I had He-Man, Skeletor, Three Eyes, uh, uh, Ram Man... You mean Triclops? Mm-hmm. Triclops, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Triclops, uh, Ram Man, uh, Man at Arms. I think that might have been it. I have a vague memory of a guy who also had multiple faces. Oh shit! Yes, many faces. Oh, that must have been it. Yeah. yeah. God damn it! Sorry. I'm- I, I mean, who was the guy that had the job to name all these things? Because he did not put any effort into it at there, all. I. It, 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 I it's have to I guess I have to say against that because you have one guy whose name is Fearless Photog. Oh, that was the worst one of them all. He was I, a, I would take Stinkor over that any day of the week. It uh, was well that's cuz that was a contest. Uh Yep. He was the kids wrote in to say what kind of character they'd like to see and some 12-year-old got what was it? He was a I don't even know what the hell he does. He had like a camcorder for a head. Oh yeah. Essentially. Yeah, oh my I, god, I've seen that character somewhere yeah, yeah. like a list of worst he had whatever's the yeah. ability to focus on his enemies and drain their strength yeah yeah it's not good i mean there's moss man stink or um well like you said uh, you were naming some trap jaw was probably the coolest of them or one of my favorites anyway the guy with the the hand that could that had like a hook or you could change it to a gun and he had like the metal jaw that we're talking he-man now instead of she-ra 
Yeah, for sure. I, and that was the thing. Right. Is I was kind of on my way out of He-Man by the time She-Ra came out and kind of getting into uh, Transformers like you guys. Mm. See, and I, I loved He-Man. So when She-Ra started, I watched it, but I never had... I never had any of the toys. I never, and I don't know whether it's because they were in a different aisle or I just, by that point, wasn't getting He-Man toys. But I remember watching the show because they were on, I, th- I thought they were on like back to back, at least when they were first coming out. Maybe your dad was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> My dad wasn't around much. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure about that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's weird because I collected a lot of, a lot of action figures, and I had a, a ton of He-Man. Um, so, yeah, I find that a little strange. Um, actually, when they first built Castle Grayskull, the toy, they didn't make it big enough for the figures to fit into. Hmm. So they had to redesign it. Yeah, I always wanted Castle Grayskull. Never got it. But I I, I enjoyed kind of revisiting it. Granted, it, it it's in my mind held up better than uh, like Voltron did. Because I, rem- I, for some reason, remembered it more. Like, I remembered how they had the kind of the stock running footage of them. Because every time they left a scene, they always kind of did this slow jog to a run um, from from one thing to the next. And, you know, her raising the sword over her head and for the honor of Grayskull. Um, but I forgot that um, the wizard, now that I forgot the name of that you guys corrected me on. Madame Raz? Madame Raz. Yeah, that she was so... She just had her... She was just hanging out. It's like these are my boobs. She Wait. was she was more sexual no, than no no not matter what was that's no. that's Shadow Weaver. Oh Shadow Weaver, yeah. She was she was more sexualized than than Shira was. Yeah, I was like I don't remember her being so busty. Yeah, she literally reminds me of a wizard robe from Zelda, only busty. Yeah, like you take Jessica stick her in the wizard robe outfit. Well, I think I think they wanted to make sure that it was communicated that she was a female. For some reason, I think they thought that you know, without pointy like the, boobs and a sachet, that you know, people would be like, "We can't see her face. We don't know if she's a man or a woman." I don't know. Like the voice. I mean, the, she had kind of a not a masculine voice, but it was you know huskier. It wasn't as feminine as some of the other characters. I thought it was interesting though, kind of thinking about the show and and why it was made that her main nemesis wasn't a woman. You know, if they're trying to get girls to get into the show, why there weren't more female adversaries, because outside of the, the, um, the evil sorceress, <laughs> there wasn't, everybody else was all dudes for the most part. Well, the scorpion I forgot her name. What about the Catra? Uh, yeah, okay. Catra, Catra and Scorpia. Yeah. Catra was kind of like the foil, her foil. Cause she, it was, kind of the same thing where they send Ketra after her. I mean, but like, you know, Grizzlor and all the horde people, Mantana, Leech, those are all see, dudes. Here's in in looking into the into the information about this, when Princess of Power was created, the Catra character was initially supposed to be the main nemesis. So the filmation oh, series came along, the horde merged into being the main villains and then Catra became one of Hordak's minions. So the, initially it was supposed to be Girl gotcha. and girl action. Um, I mean, dumb names aside, I actually thought the character design, like their visual look in general, was always really good. Mm-hmm. Like Hordak just looks cool. Yeah, Hordak does look like a badass villain. Pat? And, I, and although Mantena's kind of goofy, he was always one of my favorites. 
and and his voice of course was a little annoying. But... Mantena. Oh, he's the... yeah, that guy who looks like yeah, squid. The bug eyed guy. Yeah. He shot the things out of his eyes. Yeah, that guy is retarded. <laughs> Tell us what you really think, Pat. <laughs> but I guess since they wanted to tie the worlds together and they wanted Hordak to be He Man's, or not He Man, be Skeletor's, um, you know, Skeletor to be his protege of mm-hmm. Hordak, you know, that I guess they needed to kind of tie them together. So I don't know. Maybe that was the logic. Why did he sometimes snort and sometimes not? Just when he got really excited, he snorted. All right. I'll go with that. Try and do a voice where you're snorting. It's not easy. No, I won't do that either. Just got boogers in my throat. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you don't. That's why you don't do it. Don't do it, Pat. I'm not. We're we're good. But I I thought overall, I mean, outside of being a little flimsy, you know, um, I watched the the five part story arc, you know, the the initial the sort of Shira um, yeah, storyline. So it kind of tied in with the the initial the the new show and um i mean overall i i thought it held up better than i was expecting i was literally expecting another voltron i'm totally with you especially like if you're going to compare it to modern cartoons yeah it doesn't hold up as the equal of the storytelling the animation etc what we've come to expect from something in the last 10 years but you compare it to anything else from the 80s i'm gonna put this in the top quarter I could see that. I mean, it's still, you know, goofy, and there's some stuff that's like, okay, that's just kind of ridiculous. But it was a kid's show, you know? They weren't going for, they weren't looking at kids as being smart, smarter than they than they were. Yeah, these, these uh, shows are not known for their plot. Right. They were like, we want to sell toys, so we're going to throw a little subversive subtext in here. But other than that, we're going to primarily focus on, you know, here's the new toy that's coming out. This is your main character. Focus on that. Mm. And nowadays they're like, oh, kids are a little smarter, a little faster. They got the internet. We got to kind of catch up, you know, stay ahead of that. So they kind of step at their game. Yeah. Well, you want to. Was that? Oh, I was going to ask Patrick if he had any thoughts on it since he'd never really seen it. It sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your insightful commentary. (laughs) All right. I didn't care for it. I didn't care for it at all. Um, It was just. Of an obvious cash grab type of character. They didn't. It felt like they didn't put any thought into any of the. You know, I mean, even though it's a kids show, it doesn't mean you have to just. You know, I understand that 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 was the kind of the mo of the '80s with kids shows and everything, and even GI Joe does the same thing. But I mean, this doesn't have the benefit of of having a you know me having watched it as a child. So I can't really look at it in, in any other way than like this is crap i can't believe we've gotten to this point in the show and we haven't talked about bo's heart-shaped belly shirt (laughs) (laughs) right what the fuck (laughs) that's some interesting costume there were so many things in the show i was just like oh whatever well and once again they were trying to gear it towards girls but that was almost offensive in a way to be like well here's your main hero of the the girl's side of things the good side and he's got a heart on his chest but it's a half shirt. And there's just, you know, I mean, and there's the whole thing, obviously, that I am not the target audience. So I don't, you know, I don't fault it or anything, but it's definitely not my bag, baby. But neither were Josh and I, and we still liked it. And then Mike and, you know. Hey, let's not go making any assumptions here. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, I found it difficult to watch, but less difficult to watch in some ways than other classic 80s cartoon. I, I, I can eh. give you that. It was it was a lot easier to watch this than it was to watch uh, Voltron. Yeah, to me, this felt on par, honestly, with Voltron. I think you know what I think it is that, that with uh, I think for like uh, me, Josh, and uh, Joel, is that there isn't that weird conversion from Japanese to American in this. Well, Agreed. they made a concerted effort to actually tell a story. Yeah, they had the 80s cartoon tropes of weird character being funny in a totally not funny way to break up the action, the cowardly character that just wants food, all that kind of stuff. But like there was a, a serialized story going on, which I, I don't know that was necessarily always the norm. Just looking back, you'd have like one or two episode arcs in uh, Transformers, sometimes three. Hmm. Oh, just complete aside, funny story. Um, I was watching these on YouTube, so I did, you know, search for you know se- season one, episode one, and then I did search for season one, episode two. Someone mislabeled season two, episode two as season one, episode two. So the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, did they literally just put the entire plot in the in the <laughs> in the intro? Like, I, I went from she found the sword to, you know, a five second intro. She rise the altar. I'm like, what the fuck? And then they just went on to this whole thing. And I'm like, that made no sense at all. And I read the comments and that was when I realized, oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so I went back and found the real episode, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. They're, they're continuing with the plot line. So, yeah, that's funny. I think Josh makes a, a, an excellent point, though, because you look at something like Voltron or, um, uh, God bless America galaxy force where, you know, you've got these, that's not the name of the show. Anyway, where you've got these shows where they're translating to American and trying to make a story out of something that isn't necessarily what the story was or trying to make it kid friendly so that there weren't people bursting into flames and dying. There were just, you know, they cut that scene here. They actually were creating it from scratch. And so it felt more cohesive and it felt more like, you know, yeah, it's definitely better than the whole than yeah than the rehashed animation, you know, and and whatever and uh, dubbed over all that kind of stuff. It's definitely better than that, but I don't think it's like in any way good. <laughs> Compare it to GI Joe, which we all said we loved. I think the quality of writing was several levels above what you could expect out of a typical GI Joe. Well, and I you know. As much as I love and will love G.I. Joe, despite some of the shortcomings of the cartoon. For sure. Um, you know, I, I still have a soft place in my heart for this and for He-Man both. I, I would agree with you that it's above. I don't necessarily know if I agree that it's several levels above, but it's definitely above. It, it's, it's. I think not- the animation is worse in She-Ra than, than G.I. Joe. When was the last time you watched? I mean, I'm not saying G.I. Joe is good. I'm just saying it's a little bit better. Like and the the plot is a little bit better in Shira, and the animation is a little bit better in GI Joe. I think it's kind of a wash almost. Okay, I thought I recognized that name. The crazy, crazy thing. Uh, the main writer on Shira is also the writer of possibly the best published role playing game module of all time. Larry Dottilio wrote Masks of Nyarlathotep for Call of Cthulhu. I was like, why do I know that name? Huh? Yeah. Uh, Larry Dottilio and Lynn Willis uh, together. Wrote and he's the name. writer for Shira. 
Yeah, he was the main writer. As soon as soon as I was watching it, I kept seeing his name pop up. I'm like, I remember having a positive association with this guy's name. It's like, why? That would be a cool crossover. She-Ra and Cthulhu. <laughs> like, screw Hordak. I mean, She-Ra's just taking on, taking on Cthulhu. I think I would watch that. Cthulhu. Yeah. And uh, Masks is not just the best call of Cthulhu. It's probably the best ever published scenario for any system. Hmm. I, I hate to say it, but I think He-Man and She-Ra would be toast. Yeah, most no. likely. Yeah. Cthulhu's not... I mean, if you if the legit Cthulhu mythos, yeah, you're not you're not coming back. Sorry, I don't know about that. I mean, Shira is supposed to be you know the most powerful woman in the universe. What Cthulhu. was the name again, Pat? Uh, Josh, Larry Dottilio. Larry Dottilio. Okay. Yeah, he also wrote a bunch of Babylon Five stuff. Huh. A couple other uh, RPG products. But yeah. Oh, and he's in pre-production for a show called Clive Barker's The Coat Room. That sounds. In- uh, well, he died March sixteenth, so. Oh. Well. He's not doing anything. Maybe. <laughs> maybe he got at least one done. So. They're so, reanimating his corpse. As you do. Hmm? Yeah, I just I remembered seeing his name and thinking that the writing was pretty actually decent. So I I Googled his name just as we were sitting here. I was like, holy crap. Yeah, this is the guy who wrote masks. Huh. That is that is a weird connection to it. But but looking at his history, I mean, he has got a lot of writing for Beast Wars, Transformers, Kong, the animated series. (gasps) He wrote one murder. She wrote. He did. Oh shit! That one, that one where she goes up against Cthulhu, and they find out that Cthulhu actually did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big crossover episode. And at the end, like eighty-seven deputies arrived to handcuff him. Yeah. I did it. I hated him. So many tentacles. It takes a lot of cuffs. <laughs> well, on that note, you think? Yeah, we... it sounds like we're running out of steam on Zen. <laughs> Uh, ready to go to a break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the Netflix uh, Princesses of Power. Yeah, let's do that. Do it. Do it. Put an egg on it. <laughs> All right, we are back. <clears throat> I'm going to talk about She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. See, they added a plural there. Mm-hmm. Oh. There are more than one. Well, there's only one She-Ra, but... Well, yeah. But. And the, the princesses were in the original series eventually over the course of seasons, but yeah. they're just building them into the story from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They stack them. So She-Ra, the princesses <laughs> of power, is the story of an orphan named Adora who leaves behind her formal life in the evil horde when she discovers a magic sword that transforms her into the mythical warrior princess She-Ra and gives her a lot of hair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And makes her taller. Yes. Along the way, she finds a new family in the rebellion as she unites a group of magical princesses in the ultimate fight against evil. She meets stacks of princesses. Stacks. She's got a deck. Got a binder of princesses. Ah, I see what you did there. Like that? This is... uh, Amy Carrero does the voice of Adora in this episode, in this show. Uh, she is known for a knockoff of some Eleanor of Elena of Avalor. 
Hmm. Which looks... No, it's Disney. It's not a knockoff. It's a Disney thing. Uh, and she also plays Miranda in the blockbuster runaway hit, The Last Witch Hunter. So there's that. Karen Fukuhara does the voice of Glimmer. Uh, you know her from Katana as Suicide Squad. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, oh, we were actually talking about this for a pre-show. She plays female in the show The Boys coming up. Oh, okay. The Netflix. Oh, not nice Netflix, time. The, um, uh, Prime. the Prime show that's coming up. AJ... Michalka. Michalka, thank you. Plays Katra. Yeah, I know her <clears throat> sister better from iZombie, but uh, oh, AJ's really? been in a bunch of stuff. Now, she's she's her sister's uh, the zombie, the girl. Zombie girl? She's not the lead. She's the uh, lawyer best friend. <gasps> oh, yeah. Okay, I can see it in her face now. <clears throat> yeah, they're sisters, and they actually had a couple shows together as Allie and AJ. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, also, we know we know her from uh, way back when we did a uh, Super Eight when she plays Jen in that in that. Oh, jeez. Yeah, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, also plays Stevan in Steven Universe and uh, Valley Sue in something called Angels and Stardust. Also, Marcus Scribner as the heart-shaped belly showing bow. Minus the mustache. Minus the stash, yes. It was a good uh, way to pay tribute to the original character. Like, you could tell who it was supposed to be, but it was a good update, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays Andre Johnson Jr. in the TV show Blackish. It's out right now. Also played Buck in The Good Dinosaur not too long ago. <laughs> Buck likes to fuck. <laughs> I <laughs> think it may be a different character. <laughs> Go chew on those. <laughs> those leafy stars over there. <laughs> Something wrong with you. There's something really <laughs> wrong with that man. Uh, uh, sorry. Lauren Ash does the voice of Scorpa. Uh, you uh, may know her from playing Mindy in Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, which in case you probably won't, because I hope that none of you guys have actually seen yeah, that movie. Yeah, y- you should know her from Superstore. Superstore is where you should know her from, or also from uh, The Disaster Artist. Oh, she's the she's the Paul Blart chick. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. You totally Scorpia. got that, man. Uh, the voice of Hordak is done by Keston John, uh, who is doing something in, got a voice in Avatar 2 when it comes out, and uh, also anything on CW called In the Dark. Hmm. Yeah. Also plays Marcus Speedstar in Star Wars Resist- Resonance. Resistance. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought it was based on the Billy Squire song. Yeah, that's exactly, everybody gets that mixed up. Everybody. Literally. Now, uh, Threes of people. Lorraine Toussaint. Uh, does the voice of Shadow Weaver, and Joel may recognize her as being Almond Joy from the movie Hudson Hawk. <laughs> Who doesn't love Hudson Hawk? That's a this guy right here. Love yeah. This it's guy, I hate that movie. I know you do, but you're wrong. Would you like to swing, swing on a star? I, lo- I love the soundtrack. I really do. Yep. But the, the movie is awful. Yvonne also, like, she, uh, sorry, she plays Yvonne on uh, Orange is the New Black. Lorraine Toussaint does. Okay. Um, yeah, she's not just Hudson Hawk. Yeah, she's got more than that. All right, so also, the yes. uh, Jordan Fisher does the voice of super campy Seahawk. Uh, he's got kind of a weird uh, credits here where he was on the soundtrack of Moana. He was a on the show called Live and Maddie where he played Holden Dippeldorf. <laughs> and uh, but Josh and I may recognize him because he played the character Matthew in uh, Until Dawn. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, and the Seahawk Bow relationship is a lot of fun. I agree. Yeah, it is. 
Do what you do best. Throwing that out there. Set, Set your, your bow ship on, on fire. fire. <laughs> I'm going to give you a new one. New ship. Don't take care of it. I guarantee nothing. All right. So Adam Ray does a voice of Swift Wind, the horse. Uh, again, another kind of wacky pack of uh, here. He plays the in the movie The Heat with Sandra Bullock and Jennifer McCarthy. He plays Le Soir. Uh, Red 2, he's miscellaneous crew. Uh, in Ghostbusters, he was the voice of Slimer. In the uh, the remake That's of Ghostbusters. That's kind of fun. Yeah. So, but he's got a lot, a lot of vo- a lot of um, a lot of vocals, a lot of, a lot of voices. Voiceover work. Yeah. Uh, also was Al in a few episodes of Arrested Development. Nice. So. Mm. Yeah. So some trivia. Ah. In contrast to the original series, Adora. Lots of tie-ins. Yeah, I know. It seems like this. A lot of times we'll do these shows and. It's almost like one big incestuous family where people there's crossovers like to especially when it's the animated stuff. Yeah, a lot of voice actors. It is a tight knit family. Mm-hmm. So in contrast to the original series, where absolutely nobody knew who Adora and She-Ra were, lies. Uh, She-Ra is extensively rewritten to make her origin a result of her own initiative and heroism. For instance, rather than have her twin brother come to Adora's world and free her from a spell making her loyal to the evil horde, Adora in this series na- simply naively acclimated to that life as the only one she's ever known. It's a really strong uh, start because, I, like, I noticed we this is the She-Ra show, mm-hmm. and we still spent like a third of the first half of it <clears throat> talking about He-Man instead. Yeah. Well. Because he was ever present in those first five episodes. I mean, I didn't go on past that again, but plus they were the boys' toys at the time where we were the target age. Right, right. But like, it's a smart choice if you want to launch Shira today to completely decouple her from He-Man. Maybe bring He-Man in in season three or four, if ever. Right. Yeah. If they decide to do a Netflix He-Man show, they could spin it off from this. That'd be fun. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I did in... Well, we'll get to that later. Uh, during the <laughs> Princess Ball, there's also a blink-and-you'll-miss-it shot where something heavily resembling Luke Key hanging with the other party guests in the background. And there is a cowl-stuffed animal yep. in uh, one of the bedrooms bopping around there. Notice that. Uh, in the 2018 series, Raz is reimagined into an eccentric and somewhat senile old woman in the Whispering Woods with an unknown connection to the Shira, her sidekick, Broom is relegated to a mere mention by Madame Raz, dismissed as part of her confused ramblings. Yeah, she still talked to her broom, but her broom didn't talk back. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of, lot of pretty big changes with that character. Yeah. Uh, the theme song is Warriors by Aaliyah Rose. Uh, going theme song-wise, I think I'm going with the original. Hmm? I'm just... The theme song is kind of less than... You can almost if they if they hadn't cut the recording where it was, you can hear them say, "All right, it's four o'clock. We're out." Oh, uh, on the new the, the new, new one. one, yeah, not. A, I like I like the theme song. I yeah. thought it was fine. Yeah. Uh, Cowell and Luke Key, original characters from the eighty five eighty seven series, are not part of the cast, though they do have cameos. Cowell, as we said, is a stuffed pillow in one of the characters' resemblance, and Luke Key is a face painted on a hand fan in Madame Raz's hut, and also in the uh, ball, as we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty shitty little homages you know like they were full characters and then oh yeah you'll be a fan on the wall <laughs> yeah but there were the wacky kind of characters that they were trying to move away from for this sort of thing that they're kind of the orcos of the shira world yeah <clears throat> which they essentially took a lot of the characters from he-man and just converted them 
made him, mm-hmm. oh, here's a different character. Here's Beastman. Oh, no, it's Grizzlor now. Here's Orko. No, now it's uh, Cowl. You know, it's like they just swapped him out. Yep. So it's better off that they didn't drag him all back in. Yeah, but they wanted to put that, like, oh, blink and you'll miss it cameo for fans of the original, which I always appreciate when they do that. Mm. They just they don't wink at you and, like, zoom in on it and aren't we being cute. Yeah. It's just, it's there. Yeah, there's yeah. In, in in both instances there's no there's no point there's no point in wink on these. But um I do have to say origin story is a lot better than the original. Uh, I agree. Like, Aside from the fact that uh Glimmer annoyed me so much, I thought she was the literal worst for the first two episodes. And then you met the uh the Aqua Princess. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I like the Aqua Princess. I, I liked her from the beginning. Oh man, it felt like they were trying to do Aubrey Plaza. I was thinking Miranda sings, but you know. Ugh, I didn't get to this woman, so glad I didn't. Uh, really? Yeah. That was like the third episode. Yeah, I watched it up to the third episode. Whatever. What yeah, was she? The the one who had the the princess who was the uh, turned into the mermaid. Oh. Uh, yeah, the one that is like so over everything. Like yeah. I, I yeah. enjoyed her character <clears throat> from the beginning. Well, and her interaction with uh, Seahawk again was was fun. Why did you bring him? They had, yeah, they had this history, but not really. I have to I say, know. I enjoyed Seahawk in this one. Yeah, I don't know if it was a character in the original or not, but I no. sure. I, yeah, there was, was there was a sea, there was a Seahawk in the original, and he huh. was dressed pretty much the same. Kind of looked <laughs> like uh, uh, Starch in the Marvel comic universe. Who was the uh, the leader of the? Josh, help me out here. Which yeah, the red bandana traveled in space was part of, used to be part of the X Men. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Quasar. Quasar. Yeah, he looked like Quasar. Oh, I was thinking Forge all of a sudden. I don't know why. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, definitely a, a a good update. Like a lot more fun to watch. The story was a lot more intelligent. Um, it didn't feel like they were making it to to make toys. They right. felt like they were, they were making a, a cartoon that people would come back to to watch. And if toys came out of it, eh. But it wasn't their goal. And I, I liked I first when I saw stills, I wasn't sure about the animation style. But this like trying to tread the line somewhere between Legend of Korra and Steven Universe, I think is a good middle ground between something that classic fans of Masters of the Universe and like new cartoon watchers can appreciate. I, I thought that the uh, I come down on the side of I like it. Yeah, I, I actually liked the animation as well. Mm hmm. Uh, I thought it was uh, nice and crisp, and you know some of the choices they made were you know, like I liked Glimmer's hair, like how you could just like it almost looked like the universe in her hair. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I didn't like about Glimmer was those li- the little crescent moon she had for her knees. Like I kept getting distracted by them all the time. It looked almost like tattoos. Well, but I like the fact that she wasn't a your typical thin rail rail Yeah. Yeah. She was more of a, a, a regular sized girl. Like they had different sized characters. It wasn't like they were all fit and trim superheroes. Yeah. Crescent moon. You mean her kneecaps? Yeah. The, huh. She's also got like little wing things that might actually be tattoos on her shoulder blades. I th- well, I think she's going to eventually get wings because her mom has wings. That could be. So. Yeah, it just hasn't hit that point in her life. Like in the scenes, you can actually see them. They don't look like nubs. They look like tattoos. I don't think they are tattoos, but that's what they look like. Okay. Um, 
then backing up to Madame Raz again for a moment, I, I really like the update of that character because in the original com or cartoon, okay, the, 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 the shtick where she messes up the word and it either works or doesn't work in their benefit is funny, you know, maybe once every 10 times, but to use it every single time she casts a spell uh-huh. here, I, I, I thought the way that they portrayed her as being, you're not quite sure like Yoda in the, in um, empire, you're not quite sure if he's crazy or if he's just pretending to be that way because he's trying to kind of outwit his potential enemies or friends from kind of underestimating him. And I uh, laughed out loud when you go through that whole scene where you you think you're thinking there's more to Madame Raz than meets the eye. And as soon as She-Ra leaves and the door closes, Madame Raz is like, "Who was that girl?" <laughs> that actually got good. a laugh out of me. Me too. I did laugh at that line. And it also. Play, it brought up the the whole kind of new continuity where there's been more than one Shira. Mm-hmm. She's not the first. And that and that it, led into a couple, I think, cool cool scenes when uh, she goes to the one princess who has a garden, the garden princess, and they're like, she's like, you have to heal the tree, and she's like, I'm brand new, I don't know how to use this yet. So there's you got that learning. But she curve. figured it out pretty damn quick though. Well, I mean, she figured it out near the end. I think the. What I think is pretty cool is you've almost got kind of the uh, um, greatest American hero thing going on, where she's going to oh, learn new sure. powers as everything goes along. Which yeah, is apparently, good apparently the powers. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that's a good incentive to watch, though. I but was going to say ahead. apparently the powers have no limits at all. They just she can do whatever the hell she needs to do at whatever moment. Oh, she's also. I mean, she's completely Princess MacGuffin. Yeah, it's a huge. That's a hugely powerful sword, man. Yeah, but like she has very, very little control over it. The scene where she's trying to figure out how to grow plants and she keeps killing trees with the sword was cute. Or where she was trying to transform that uh, and couldn't. She couldn't do it on command. Like she was trying to figure out, well, how do I make this work? Mm-hmm. Uh, I also really, really appreciate uh, Catra and Scorpia. Actually, all of the villains, their uh, redesigns are pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Entrapta starts as one of the princesses, and eventually when you go... Like, Entrapta was one of the villains from the beginning, so if you were familiar at all with the original, you kind of knew. It's like, wait a minute, she's on the good guy's side? Well, eventually that has to change. Yeah. I, I, I really think the only one that loses, you know, any kind of um, whatever, you know, the only one that loses on the redesign would be the, the leader um, of the Horde. I can't think of his name. Hordak? Yeah, he's the only one that I think that lost something in the redesign. Really? I I think I would agree with you. Yeah, Shadow Weaver looked cooler. Yeah. Hordak? I like that. Oh, good. He was a little more generic, where the original was very blocky and chunky, but had a very distinct visual style. So I think I'm with Pat on this one. Yeah. yeah, but I could do without him turning into a rocket. Um, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but you got to admit that first scene where they introduce him in the series and he's still in the background, he's in the dark and you can see like the illuminated kind of Tron like lines on his body. And I, was, I thought he was much more intimidating until he stepped forward. I, I Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a cool effect. And it, mm, I, I guess it kind of I'll wait to see where it goes. But. Yeah. I appreciate um, that they lean into the science fantasy. I mean, that was sort of true with She-Ra versus He-Man as a point of how to uh, distinguish between them, because there's always some sci-fi elements in Masters of the Universe, like the He-Man side, but they really lean into it hard for the She-Ra side. And I appreciate that. Yeah. I liked the whole first one's plotline and finding the old technology. It would, I mean, 
I, de- I mean, spoilers, I definitely liked this version much more than the original. Yeah, I could see I, that with you. I wasn't sure after, like, the first, like, maybe the first two episodes. I got to the third one, and I'm like, wait a minute. I think I legitimately like this and want to watch more. And I, I continued watching well past, I, I didn't quite finish the first season, just because, you know, video games. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, this is something I may actually come back to and watch more of. Well, it reminded me of kind of the the Voltron redo, where they were mm-hmm. building a, a bigger storyline while still having in individual plot lines that, you know, you could watch an episode and, and not watch another one. But if you watch the whole thing, there was a payoff because there, was, there were things building up and kind of going along, you know, there were threads. Uh, throughout it that were pre-planned you know they weren't just like okay well this episode you know what we'll just call back to that in the next episode no and I, it, oh go ahead i was gonna say we, you know i kind of miss on the uh, whole conversation about the animation because that's one of my things i was kind of on the fence about the animation because like you said it does have that crossover between steven universe and um i just lost the name josh legend of legend Korra. of Korra. legend of Korra. uh but i think i really fell in love with it in the intrapocene uh episode I think they've got a. The animators in this one have a great handle on facial expressions. Well, and we didn't talk too much about it because she wasn't mentioned in our IMDb cast. But I don't know if you know the history behind the uh, writer of this. No, the lead writer on this is the same lead writer for Lumberjanes. I don't know that. Oh, you should. Like, if your girls are not reading Lumberjanes, the comics. Uh, this is something that you should probably change because they'd love it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I'm not familiar with it either. I'm looking it up as we speak. Yeah, it's really, <laughs> really cool. Cool. But yeah, huh. plot-wise, I think they're doing a good job of not... I think one of the things that you you always had in the old old cartoons was, here's the, here's the pilot, everything at once. Blech. You know, it's... Now there's a the progression. I think the first episode of her learning that the horde, you know, is actually evil. I mean, and especially one of the comments when they're like, "They call you the evil horde," <laughs> you know. That's and the fact that they've got these like uh, danger room type machines that are dialed up like princesses, and princesses are supposed to be this. And you you live in the fright zone. Yeah. Are we the baddies? Um. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you not see that coming? Another thing I really appreciate about this is how the most significant conflicts aren't conflicts of arms. They're conflicts of how people treat each other. Like, we're not going uh, full My Little Pony here, but the individual characters, like Catra's an interesting antagonist because she's really upset and betrayed about her friend having moved on from the life that they had together, and she feels alone. Uh at the beginning, Glimmer has to get over her preconceptions about what a Horde soldier can be. Each mm. one of the princesses is like having to go against what they've been told by their parents. I think one of the things they need to do is if this situation is going on with Glimmer and the Horde soldier is in there and you want to kind of keep her undercover, give her a different shirt. Right? Like, did no one have a shirt they could give I mean, her? It just, that I mean, did annoy me. Yeah, I was just like, all right, you know what? You know what would solve the, all the problems of this episode? Giving her something else to wear that doesn't have the horde symbol. On. Yeah, just right destroy the, the horde shirt and give her a new shirt. Right. Or you know, what? grab some mud, smear mud on it, or do something to cover that up. Um, you, you also look at the a whole shadow weaver and uh, 
Shira thing. Like, there's a lot of like escaping from an abusive family plot going on with the two of them, which I thought was really cool. Heavy stuff for a cartoon. Yeah, I think that is a good. I think later on, I only got to episode seven, but I do think that it's going to be one of those things where you've the cat, the Catra and um, Shira thing is going to. I don't say come to a head, but that's going to be an ongoing thing because Catra's initially was the one who wanted to get the hell out of town. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's like, no, you know, I've got this duty. I've got what I want to do. This is my goal is to become this commander in the force. She becomes commander in the force and then turns out flip flop the number one enemy of the horde now. And now there's this anger that Catra's got to her of being abandoned, mm-hmm. you know, but she doesn't leave the horde because now she's the favored daughter because mm-hmm. that was how Shadow Weaver, like Shadow Weaver always treated Catra like shit. And Adora, like the special chosen one. And then Adora leaves. And all of a sudden, Shadow Weaver's like, okay, I guess now you're the one we've got left. She still treats her like shit, but like her situation's improved. Yeah. Well, she's using that, that kind of animosity towards Shira to her benefit, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of help control her. Because if, if the right circumstances were there, who's to say that if Catra and and Adora were still friends, that she wouldn't defect too. If she, once she kind of realized what was really going on, but she's now dug herself in, and so she, her her blinders are focused on Adora. Mm-hmm. And it's it's nice because there's always kind of that that fine line of you know could something happen that would make these people go oh, huh, I get it now. You know, either way. Yeah, and I don't know how far you guys all got where they get to how Scorpio was a princess, but, like, nobody liked her family, so when the Horde showed up, they are like, uh, yeah, we'll join. Screw it, those people have been treating us like crap for generations. I got five episodes deep into this. Yeah, and Scorpio, like, you can, it's, like, weird, she looks like this scary scorpion woman, but she is all bubbly. And, yeah, eventually uh, she she says, yeah, I, I... Traditionally, I'm the princess of my family. How do you Which how do is, you like manage forks and knives and stuff, or like wiping your ass if you've got giant claws for hand? Carefully. I mean, there's a point though. I mean, how I mean, how much? Yeah, there's a point. Yeah. How, <laughs> yeah, yeah, how many times do you have to fold that over before you're like not you know, oh. invading your own personal space? Well, that, that's your that's your motivation to becoming force captain. You can just order people to wipe your butt. Then it's plot toilet paper. Come on. <laughs> Maybe she doesn't poop. Oh, or it just kind of falls out as she's walking. Just like little pellets. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> make, that, is make that noise again. <laughs> I want to hear the pooping noise. So if you were trapped on a desert island, would you rather she be half scorpion on the top or half scorpion on the bottom? On the left. Yeah. <laughs> and it just is just falling out. You want to have one one hand for hunting and one hand for gripping. She's just talking to you, and she's like, "What do you? What, what, what's a face?" And she's like, "I'm pooping." Just falls out like a goat, you know. <laughs> what the hell is this conversation going? I blame myself. <laughs> just say it. I don't know. For what is I blame you too. Now, what about the <laughs> bow in this version? How did you guys feel about him? Because in the first one, we kind of talked about character design and he you know he's kind of generic hero mustache. i like i liked him i mean i don't really have a whole lot more you know i mean 
Well, they he made everybody a, younger. He was a very charming, personable, funny guy. So they made everybody younger. It seems mm-hmm. sure. And he, yeah, I, I definitely like the the way that they attacked that character. There was one line in particular he had that made me laugh. I'm trying to remember what it was. I like how he's like the normal guy in a world of princesses, and he's like, I'm not going to let that slow me down. Yeah, I do. I do dig that on him, where he's just like, hey. I'm really good with a bow and arrow. I made this one. It's a sonic arrow. And, you know, he's the, he's like the cheerleader. Yes. <laughs> That's a good way of defining him. When it comes down to it, though, he's kind of a badass with that bow. I mean, if your name's going to be Bo, I suppose you should be. Yeah. I, there were more than once where I'm like, I just want me. He's stuck. Bo Duke was good with an arrow. I think that, you're onto something. Yeah. See, I think, I think what I'm, what I was missing in this is like, Bo's really good with those shots and he's always fallen back on the, pin their clothes to the door behind them and, you know, use the supersonic arrow. I'm just, I want him to, like, launch an arrow and just get someone square in the throat. Oops. <laughs> I think all around. You want him to roll a one? Is yeah. I, no, I want, a, I want a little bit more bloodshed in this one. I think that this one could use a little bit more, you know, hey, you, these guys have come at you twice. Take them down. You know, they, they'll come up with more characters. They'll make more villains. Kill all you want. We'll make Yeah, more. maybe yeah. when they introduce Mantana, they'll shoot him in the eye. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I've never... I mean, I understand why, but I mean, all those 80s cartoons, there's just never any death. You're like, how are you ever going to vanquish your foes if you never, ever kill them? Never but I get why they're doing it. I mean, you can't, you know... You can't raise questions of mortality to 10-year-olds. It's, <laughs> it's a never-ending battle... <laughs> just imagine like someone coming up and hacking off Scorpia's tail and she's bleeding out and screaming about the atrocities of war. Like, I don't think that would be good. I don't think that would be good for the kids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we still talk about the fact that Optimus Prime died in the Transformers movie. It's right. So oh, many yeah. of us so long. Right. If you're going to write death into anything, it's got to be enormous. It can't just be like Tasha Yar. <laughs> It's like Game of Thrones on the show. <laughs> right? <laughs> Game off, of like, She-Ra. <laughs> kids everywhere are like traumatized. And Your just... toy? That one's dead. <laughs> Did you see a new episode of She-Ra? You better get out to the store and get the action figure now. They didn't make a whole hell of a lot of them. <laughs> Comes with a detachable head. It's a red wedding all over again. <laughs> oh. Oh, Lordy. All right. <clears throat> no, I mean, we only got seven episodes. Um, I will say that I think that seven year, the uh, TV seven rating is pretty good uh, mm-hmm. for this because I <laughs> sat with my girls and watched like two or three episodes and halfway through the third one, they're like, do we still have to be here? <laughs> I'm like, I got to watch this for the show. I, you're, you're girls. I want your opinion on this. And <laughs> Sophie stands up, goes, meh. And walks up. <laughs> yeah, they're almost they're they're right on the cusp of being you know the outside of the age range they're looking for because I think they're looking for like preteens. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Then they're not quite old enough to have gotten past the now we're too old slash too cool for it. Mm. Yeah, I, I think they're shooting for twelve maybe at the max as far as age group. Like, you know, I should introduce this to my niece. Or you know, kid people that grew up on the show that want to go back and revisit it. You know, there's a lot of things in there that are paying homage to the source material and and you can kind of go back and go oh yeah i remember that so there's kind of a big gap there between what they want for their audience and what they're going to also get nice i guess so you want to do a thumbs up thumbs down sure 
up your butt. I think you might be doing it wrong. Hmm. Ask Patrick. I don't think so. Oh. All right. So Shira then Josh. Uh, you know what? I'm giving it a thumbs up. I I was pleasantly surprised. Joel. Sorry, I was taking a drink. Um, <laughs> the, I, 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 yeah, I, I still give it a thumbs up. A big chunk of that is n- nostalgia based, but it still held up a lot better than the other, a lot of the other older cartoons we've done uh, as being what I remembered and not being any better or worse than that. Pat? Am I just catching everybody I'm, while they're drinking? I'm sorry, I'm eating ribs. <laughs> <laughs> Put the moon down and answer the question. Sad thing is, I'm guessing he probably hit. <laughs> no, I really, that was really only done He said for he the went joke. to get food on the break. That was really only done for the joke, damn it. Sure. Yes. Um, sure. I, I'm definitely a thumbs down on the original. I don't think that's a real surprise. I didn't enjoy watching anything <gasps> about it. Yeah. Sorry, I'm shocked. I know. I, I'm going to give it a thumbs up because it was better than I expected it to be. I was expecting um, Voltron all over again. Now, for see, them. I was I was expecting something better than what I got, and I got less than what I thought I was going to get. So I guess that's why. I don't know why I was expecting something better, but I just heard so much about it. I was like, this is probably going to be okay. It was not. <clears throat> so what about the now? I would uh, honestly, I was prepared to give it a sideways thumb. But the more I think about it, and you know, even though I'm not really in the target audience and everything, I can look at it through that light. I'll, I'll give it a thumbs up. I think it's well done. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious from me. It's a massive thumb. Like I, I will probably watch at least the first season, and might even go back watch seasons two. Hmm. Yeah, I dug. If, it. if I can, if I can get my niece into it, I'll probably I'll probably watch it with her if she. Oh, wants yeah, to. good idea. Yeah, she, yeah. She Report like back. Yeah, she's exactly the target audience. Yep. Yeah, completely. I'll give it a thumbs up. I mean, it was uh, better than I was expecting it to be. And um, I, again, I'm a sucker for good animation. And this one's, the animation is pretty damn impressive on this one. So I like it. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely in that same camp as well. I uh, was expecting to enjoy it, but I wasn't sure if I would actually, like, dig it. Want to watch it. Right. Like, I'd actually legitimately like it, not just kind of enjoy the pretty lights. And. I, I was it, it felt a lot like kind of what they did with Voltron, um, and uh, I'm I'm happy. I thought it was a good good product. Cool. So Joel, what are we doing next week? Next week, the bane of my existence. We're talking about spicy foods and the YouTube show, the Hot Ones. Ah, no, just just Hot Ones, not the Hot Ones. Oh, sorry, Hot Ones, not Hollywood Hot. Definitely Hollywood <laughs> Hot. damn it (laughs) this week on hollywood hot she-ra you know i was in i was editing the show and i'm like oh god that's it you know i had a couple good things for the stingers but then the more i'm listening as i'm editing like if i don't put the friggin hollywood hot stinger in there no one's gonna know what the hell we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) and for those that don't know we have stingers you might want to listen past the end of the episode i wonder if there is someone that 
always stops listening while we're doing this closing wrap up and doesn't realize that there's like an after the credits sequence on every single episode of this show. I would always I would hope that person. You got a lot of catching yeah, up. Yeah, I do. really hope there's somebody out there that goes, What? Because the stingers often explain a lot of shit that goes on during the show if, if they're not just a random whatever. Yeah. And they're almost always guaranteed a pretty hearty laugh, in my opinion. Yeah, if you are that person uh, who has is just now discovering uh, the after the credit sequence for uh for to going on 14 let us know give us a call 708 now wrap that's 708-669-9727 yep and uh, again find our older stuff itunes blueberry stitcher talk shoe podverse noon fm pod chaser itunes all over the freaking place come on to our place on the web 40go14.com and find us on facebook and on twitter uh, and leave us some reviews let us know on uh social media what you want to hear about and uh if you have any ideas for shows so, yeah. I think that about does it. That does it. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. Hollywood hot. <laughs> Still sounds like you're choking again. <laughs>